0: Hello and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 278 of the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to be continuing our DIY series and we spent the last few episodes of that series talking about building small outbuildings, things like sheds, chicken houses workshops those kinds of things and today we're going to round out that collection by talking about doors and windows and how you might make openings or you know make doors or windows to access these things or ventilation holes and things like that we're going to cover all of those things today and everything you need to know really and then uh, before we do We're just going to quickly mention that the Friday patron giveaway is going to be continuing this week. And on Friday, we will be drawing from the hat of patrons to win my copy of Field Guide to Edible Mushrooms of Britain and Europe by Peter Jordan. Now, I think I will limit this one to obviously British and European patrons because I don't think there's going to be much use to those elsewhere in the world so I don't have all of your geographical details so I'll do the draw and if you happen to be somewhere that uh, this book's not going to be relevant then I will uh, I will redraw it I think that's the easiest way of doing it but the uh, the Peter Jordan field guide to edible mushrooms of Britain and Europe is a book that I certainly used when I was first starting out mushroom foraging but it's not one that I really use any longer so I think now is the perfect time to pass it on to someone else so there you go that will be this Friday's draw and if you'd like to be eligible for that you just have to be a current patron you can do so by joining at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub right with that little bit of housekeeping out the way let's get into today's episode and I think When it comes to building outbuildings, you know, building the doors and windows can really be one of the trickier elements, particularly doors. You know, it's the only moving part. Everything else, you can kind of solve any issues with just more screws or something to hold things in place, you know, whereas when you're talking about a door, you need it to open, you need it to open and close again, and you need it to do so fairly easily for a long period of time. You don't want it to be... Something that's not going to be very functional after a few weeks or months because it's dropped or sagged or whatever it might be. When it comes to the actual general materials here, I think you've kind of got two options. You're either going to make your own or you're going to fit something that's purpose built. And we'll deal with each of those options separately. So first of all, when it comes to something purpose built... I'm going to suggest that second-hand doors and windows are actually really, really easy to get hold of. If you pick up your phone and just Google for local builders or even better, local window fitters in your area, because the same people who fit windows are the same people who fit doors, so the window fitters are the ones to talk to, and just say, look, we're after an old window roughly this size and an old door. Can you please let me know the next time you've got one? to uh, get rid of they're almost certainly going to be more than happy to do so because you'll be doing them a favor you know otherwise they've got to dispose of it they've got to remove it from the site they're working on they've got to pay someone to haul it away and dispose of it so not only will you be doing them a favor but you'll be saving it from going to landfill or whatever their recycling procedures are you're going to reuse it which is even better for the environment so it's definitely, definitely, definitely something worth doing. Now, the only caveat to that is that you want to do it really in advance. You want to have your doors and windows there before you start your building because they're going to set out the dimensions that you need to leave space for. Trying to retrofit these things is not nearly as easy as putting them in you know, building the building around them, really, in effect, which is what I prefer to do, even when I'm building a new house, you know, I would prefer to have the doors and windows on site and build the walls around them, build them in. So it's so much easier to do it that way. When it comes to fitting them, it's actually surprisingly easy. If you're going to fit a window basically you're going to want to make sure that you've got some timber supports all around where the window is going it's no good just having your cladding material that you're going to cut a hole in and put the window there you need to build almost an extra window frame out of timber some studs some 4b2 or something like that that's going to sit outside the window that's going to be attached to the cladding and then you cut your cladding appropriately you cut your cladding sort of inside that frame that you've put and then you put your window inside that, and then take the glazing out, and then literally just screw through from the window into the timber work, and you do that just by removing the glazing, which is usually fairly simple, it's held on with little beads that you pop out, and then you would put your screw where it's going to be covered by the glass, and then screw it straight through into that timber. When you're putting your timber frame in, if if you are retrofitting, you want to make sure that the Str- the, the, the struts either side left and right run to the floor not just hanging in midair because otherwise you're asking an awful lot of that cladding to support that weight you want the struts to be self-supporting and the window weight to be bearing straight down onto the ground i hope that makes sense same applies with the door you know if you're going to be retrofitting it it's the same procedure and you just screw it through the frame But easier still, I think, is to have them there and build the building around them. And then it just means that the measuring and cutting and everything is going to be that much more accurate and that much more easy and quicker. So it's definitely worth getting your windows and doors on site if you're going to be using secondhand reclaimed doors and windows and building them in. You can also, you know, make your own windows up and you are spoilt for choice here in how you want to do it. Glass is actually really quite inexpensive it's surprising how inexpensive just glass can be and you can make your own window frame just by using timber you know by doing pretty much the same as we said before but just using a piece of glass instead of a full window of course this won't be an opening window if you do it this way and then you can just use some thin timber some thin beads to hold it in place whenever you're fitting a window you need to be conscious of rainwater and you you want your whole building really when you when you're thinking about your doors and windows you want your whole building to either you know be watertight be insulated whatever decisions you've already made and whatever lengths you've gone to to waterproof the rest of your building fabric you want to make sure that your doors and windows follow that same standard if you like you certainly don't want a lovely waterproof building that's waterproof everywhere except for the window that you put in you know if you've gone to the effort of making it really really watertight then you go and put a window in that's leaked you're undermining a lot of the hard work that you've already done a lot of those decisions that you've already made so you can use some silicone beads around the window to help water ingress you're going to want some kind of sill and a drip to get water away from the building if that's the sort of building you're doing But uh, of course, you know, the same applies in reverse. If it's a building that you're not that worried about a little bit of water getting into and that's how you've constructed it, then you can apply the same principles to the doors and windows. If you are going to be making your own windows and doors, the thing to think about is opening. If they're going to be opening, then you're going to need them diagonally braced and what I mean by that is if you imagine you are going to build a door and you're going to start with just four pieces of wood that make up the outline of your door shape now once you've got those four pieces of wood if you imagine them fixed with hinges on one side and let's say for the purposes of this conversation let's say we've got our hinges on the left hand side of the door and we've attached our door now you could imagine putting some weight on the right hand side of that door and it's just going to sag there's not a lot holding it rigid holding it up so what we would do is we'd place a diagonal timber from the bottom left to the top right. And that's going to basically support that top right corner diagonally and stop it from sagging. And it's going to rigidify. Is that even a word? Did I just make up a word? But uh, if I did or didn't, that's what it's going to do. It's going to rigidify the whole door and make it nice and rigid. So it's not going to sag over time. You always go from the bottom on the hinge side uh, to the top, and that's going to give you your most reliable method of solidifying that door and making it rigid. So, once you've done that, you've effectively got five pieces of timber, you've got four around the outside, and then one diagonal going up. You then want to just follow the same procedure that you've done with the cladding on the rest of the building, whether that's you know adding. Some breathable felt membrane to make it watertight, and then attaching some shiplap on it, or whether you're going to be using some other kind of cladding. Now, the only other thing to mention is if you're going to use a really solid cladding, like some metal sheet material, there's a case to be made that you don't need the diagonal brace because the actual solid material is going to brace it for you. I would still be inclined to put one on, but uh, there is there is, like I say, an argument to be made that perhaps. You don't need it so there's your door and you've got your window next thing is actually hanging the door now you want to make sure you've got a little bit of a gap all the way around the door and this is just the same as if you're hanging a door inside your house because otherwise apart from the fact that timber moves particularly outside timber is going to swell and shrink so you need a little bit of a gap a little bit of tolerance to allow for that movement otherwise your door is going to catch when you open and close it but the same would be applied indoors even when you don't have that amount of movement just because as the door opens it's going to be put on a slightly different angle and it's going to be slightly wider diagonally and it's going to catch if you do it try and fit your door super super tight it's just not going to work so you want to allow I would suggest three or four millimeters all the way round to give you that little bit of tolerance, and you also need to think about whether or not you need a bit of extra space for your hinges now, depending on what sort of building you're doing, you'll notice in your house that your hinges are actually set into your door and into your door frame to make them look nice and tidy and to make that door close nice and tight on the hinge side up to the door frame. So basically what we do is we remove a little bit of wood from the door with a set of chisels. It's quite a satisfying thing to do. And the hinge will get screwed onto the door and onto the frame and sit flush with them. Now, this is something you can, of course, do with your outbuildings, but you may decide it's not necessary. It's going to depend, again, what sort of building you're doing. And, you know, do you want that airflow? Do you want the ventilation? Are you trying to keep it really, really sort of sealed in there? or what's the what's the purpose of the building now generally speaking when I'm building sheds and hay stores and chicken houses I'm going to skip that step for sure I'm not going to bother re what's called rebating my hinges I'm just going to screw them straight into the door straight into the frame boom that's it they're done and then when the door shuts there's going to be a small gap around the hinge side just a few millimeters you know the width of the hinges excuse me But if you didn't want that gap, then you would take out those pieces of wood to allow the door and the frame to sit nice and tight up against each other. It really is a combination of personal preference and really understanding what it is you want to use the space for and how important that space that, you know, filling that gap really is. If you're going to fit a door much like you would in your house, you're also going to want to put something called doorstop in. You'll notice on the doors in your house, on the internal doors, when you close them, they close up against another piece of timber, just a small bead that runs around the entire door frame. So that's something to consider to stop your door effectively being able to swing right through. And if that happens, it's going to put pressure on those hinges and they're eventually going to pull out. The screws will pull out either of the frame. Or of the door itself. Now, you don't necessarily need to go all the way around. Again, it depends on how weather tight you want that seal around your door, but you're going to want some at least on the closing side just to act as something to stop the door. You know, that's why we call it door stop, I suppose. So, those are the first sort of sets of things to think about and decisions to make. Something else to definitely be aware of is that not all hinges were created equally. Now, I Am um, very, very frequently using internal hinges outside. The reason for that being, I am a little bit of a magpie, and I just pick up things like hinges. as I go about my day to day job, and you know, I sort of collect these things. And when I'm going to build an outside building, I'm going to build as much of it as possible from the bits and bobs that I have lying around. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid purchasing. Materials and hinges are no different now. If you use internal hinges externally, and I'm talking about hinges that are meant to hang internal doors, if you put them outside, they will rust and over time they will become stiff and eventually they may fail. This is something that I just genuinely don't really worry about too much. So long as I'm using the door regularly, I will use WD-40 and I haven't, I've got to say, had many issues. But if you're going to purchase some hinges, then I would definitely go for external ones. They're going to work well for a lot longer. That's just a fact. Next up, is ventilation you might want to consider ventilation depending on what you're going to be using the space for particularly if you're building a house for several hens you know for lots of hens or lots of any other type of animal you might consider some ventilation we've all been into a pretty tightly closed chicken house where they've been in there for a little while and you've got that smell of ammonia and you know it's not pleasant and you definitely want you know you don't want your chickens to be living in there any more than you would want to so definitely consider some ventilation now when it comes to ventilation i like to put it high so that it almost comes across the roof So that the chickens aren't sort of sat in that draft overnight, but it does allow for that airflow and the change of air in that space to happen. So depending on which way round you house your hen house, you might want to think about which way the wind blows. You don't really want, you know, the wind or a gale blowing right through there. You just want to allow for that air change, that airflow, you know. So it's not really a draft that you're after. It's just some ventilation. So you might want to go opposite to the way the wind tends to blow in your area. You might want to put one either side. So one on the left, one on the right, or one on the front, one on the back. And the size is really down to you. It's going to be dependent on what you're trying to achieve, how many hens you're trying to house in that space etc etc and what I tend to do is I'll put them high up I will just leave a gap I'll, I'll either make an opening or I'll leave one when I'm doing the construction and I will cover that in chicken wire because I don't want chickens flying out of that necessarily if I want to shut them in and I also don't want things like foxes to be able to jump through it at night but Equally, I will also consider oversailing my roof. I mentioned this in the last episode, but I will almost always oversail the roof so that rain doesn't just blow in through those gaps, so they're under a little bit of cover. And that's worked really, really well for us, I have to say. I'm trying to think if there's anything else on my list. I suppose the only other thing, actually, that I did want to mention is catches. And of course, you can buy all sorts of catches. You can buy little magnetic catches for your doors, you can use bolts. Uh, But what we tend to use here is whatever we can get our hands on that's lying around. And a couple of examples of that you may have seen, if you follow me on YouTube, you may have seen me build that smoker out of pallet wood just recently. Well, for the catch on that, I used basically some string and a couple of screws so that the string just hooks around the two screws to hold the door closed. On our wood store outside our kitchen, we've got two doors on that. And above those doors where they meet... What I've done is I've just got a piece of wood, a, literally a piece of stick that's about an inch round and I've cut that at about five inches long and drilled a hole in the middle and then just screwed through that hole into the top of our timber into the top of our frame and that's made like a toggle so when the doors are shut I can just spin that a little bit and it will hold them shut and that's literally using a stick and a screw so you can make catches out of things you have lying around it's going to come down to how inventive you are as much as anything else but that rounds out our uh, you know outbuilding series our small outhouse small shed or or well, even a large shed you know there's you can expand these principles right out to pretty much any size and get yourself a building in your garden whether you want to build a little garden office or whether you want to build a little chicken run they're all the same principles I would use for all of them and uh, I hope you found that useful. I will be back on Wednesday, where we're going to be talking, hopefully, if everything goes well, to Mike again from uh, the Homevert YouTube channel and the Homevert Homesteader. He is a great guy. He was. Uh, we were due to record a week or so ago, and uh, he was rather ill, so we had to postpone, and then I had a minor personal emergency meaning we had to postpone again but uh, we're due to record that later today and hopefully that will be going out wednesday i've got a few other interviews already in the bag uh, recorded ready to edit and on friday i've no idea what we're going to be talking about yet so i guess you'll just have to stay tuned thanks ever so much guys for listening and as always thank you for your support and i will speak to you really soon cheers (music) This episode of the Self Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening and I'll speak to you really soon.